Welcome to Discover Healthier. Everything you need to know about health brought to you by Discovery Health. I'm Azania Musaka. You can join the conversation as we explore some of the most pressing matters in the healthcare environment today. A wide variety of topics and specialist guests will empower you to care for your health now and in the future. In her role as Head of Corporate Sustainability at Discovery, Ruth Lewin has made it her mission to apply Discovery's innovative expertise, intellectual capital and corporate network to several other incredible healthcare-related projects. Another very exciting program that we've been involved with probably since about 1999 is a project in deep rural northern KwaZulu-Natal called Umtombo Youth Development Fund. And basically Umtombo came about when the local medical superintendent of a hospital in the old Ingwavuma, a guy called Dr. Andrew Ross, was battling to recruit doctors into that area. And he tried every means. He said, you know, we're near the Josini Dam. We're near to Mozambique. It's a beautiful setting. You, when you're not working in the hospital, this is where you can Great be. Great quality of life. Exactly. <laughs> and it, there was no bite. And eventually he, he heard about a model, and I think it was a model which was used in, in Australia based on recruiting local youth mm-hmm. in about grade 10. Now, these are poor, poor kids. I've been to that area a couple of times. Recruiting them, and if there's an interest in working in a hospital setting, in any discipline, you don't have to be a medical doctor. You could right. be a pharmacist, you could be a physiotherapist, whatever. And you were exposed to the hospital environment during the school holidays. They would help to get you into an institute of higher learning, and they will mentor you so that you are successful. Now, the success of this program is the mentoring. And Umtombo now provides medical professionals to all the district hospitals going right up to the border of Mozambique and down to the south of KZN in all rural areas and in parts of the Old Transkei. They've got a 92% pass rate every year. It's gone up to 94%. No other bursary function has that kind of pass rate. And their retention rate is unbelievable. So they're now, homegrown, these they're medical home, professionals the point, that come to back to give exactly, back. Exactly, and they all go back. The point is, you will be amazed at the economic viability that is so visible in all those little rural towns. Because what has happened? People are now employed, they have a salary, they go back, they build their moms a beautiful house. And one of the graduates said to me once, you know, I was destined to become a stick fighter and a herder of cattle. That is what I was destined to become. Now I'm a psychiatrist. And it's just, you can actually see it. So you see, when you give people the opportunity to have an education and the mentoring program is what is the success of it. Because you don't just throw these young people into a city environment, into a university where they say they only before spoke Zunglish, they now have to speak English, you know. They are mentored. It's psychosocial mentoring. It's not just academic support. And so this is again an example of a program where the broader society has benefited, but also it's a very replicable model. So it's about models which we think eventually, if it's replicable, if it's scalable, it's that which makes a project so sustainable. I'm sure you've got experiences for days, stories of experiences that 
we could listen to you share and be inspired by all day long. When I think what you do and these partnerships that you've able to nurture and build over the years is just such an inspiration. And there's so much we can learn from it. I'm curious about the women and girls in these communities. HIV and AIDS, we still see infection rates, new infection rates every single year. We hear about them and there's always great concern in, within the young people's demographic, the youth demographic. What do you see whenever you do visit programs such as Clocomela, which brings us back, in fact, to its importance in these communities? So I'm not going to talk about Clocomela. I'm going to talk about one of the hospitals, the Bethesda Hospital, in that very area, northern KZN. And one of the things which a family physician told me, Dr. Gloria Mfeka, she's now at the UKZN, she's looking into the high teenage pregnancies. Mm. And this is like going to 12 to 18, more that kind of age group. Where I think, if I recall, and I may be, so I speak under correction, but it was extremely high. Of that number, 25% is HIV positive. And she was grappling with this issue. And I've been troubled by it ever since I met Gloria three years ago when she told me about her research and that they just cannot break into why this has happened. So a lot of these kids come from very tiny villages. Their mothers, fathers send them to the school and then they are preyed upon by older men. They need food and so on. Now, what I want to get to that for me, the issue is that we can't just have a health response. She was trying to get into the minds of the men and the boys as well. What makes them do this? What makes them so that your response can be appropriate? But I think, and you see, this is the thing, if there isn't economic viability in a particular community or economic growth or opportunities for economic growth, then those young women are going to continue to be dependent on the older men or men generally to sustain them. Ruth has just told us about Dr. Nompomelolo Gloria Mfekankabinde. This passionate family physician is a Discovery Foundation Award recipient, and she's using this funding to research adolescent pregnancy, sexuality, and fertility. Be sure to tune into our podcast episode on excellence in community health care to hear her story. Now let's go back to Ruth to hear about doing CSI differently to really meet society's needs. I feel that we've got to grapple as, not only as a health project, but as a corporate, how we address these issues. And it does mean that we need a different model of intervention. Now, Orange Farm is an interesting example where we've done this. I think the unemployment rate was sitting at plus 70% or something. So we started off, we found a skill center there that was disused. It belonged to the city. Got the city to refurbish it. We put in the equipment. We got an NGO to run skills. But what we were clear about, that the young people of that area, the unemployed young people said, we are tired of being trained, not having a job at the end. And so our main focus was how do we get young people into, even if it's an internship, There's City Power, there's Water Board, there's all these organizations that just sit within the ambit of the city of Johannesburg. Help us, we said. We've got to work together. Well, we now have an incubator for young entrepreneurs. The point I'm trying to make is that you cannot address one issue. Mm -hmm. You've got to have multiple interventions. And we don't have to do 
all those interventions. But if you bring on board the right partnerships, you know, like in this particular instance, we've got a partnership with ABSA, with the Netherlands Embassy, and with the NGO there, and we are the corporate. But you're all addressing the same constituency being unemployed youth, but from different angles. Right. And I think if we don't start thinking like that and we don't stop our competitive behavior, then we're not going to be able to build South Africa in the way that it needs to be built. And it's in all our interest. Whether Absolutely. I'm a corporate or whether I am the beneficiary, it's in all our interest. I want us to cast our minds to the future. When you think of Sokomela, the lessons from that, in essence, what is possible? What is the big idea that can emerge out of this that can potentially transform communities across South Africa? I think that we must think big. We have such amazing facilitative powers. We have resources. We need to see how we can harness those resources to address one common objective. And I think if we think like, and you know, we're in a unique position. Discovery is known as, as an innovative company. So how do we take that same innovation and creativity into kind of difficult social issues yeah. and apply our minds to take those models and scale it? I mean, Discovery's model as a business is all over the world today. Why is it not possible for us to take a development model to help them to apply it? Because the same Social challenges which exist in Hootsprate, in northern KZN, exists in the Eastern Cape, in the Western Cape, in the Free State. It's the same issues. Teen pregnancies are all over. So we can actually apply those and we just need to think big. And now we have data. Data exactly. from research by Jackie. Exactly. Ruth, we have a very interesting program, an inspiring program through Clocomela. But how can corporates support these types of projects better with funding and the kind of support they give? So we have tried to facilitate additional funding for Locomela, for example, with corporates that we have a relationship with. We've been successful in one instance, but we really need to urge more corporates to come on board and to stop thinking in a competitive way. We certainly don't think like that. We believe that it's all in the interests of the organization and ultimately the communities in which they serve. So in essence, we need a paradigm shift Absolutely. in our approach to CSI and what we do with that funding. Exactly. Which is why I think I feel very fortunate to be in a business like Discovery because it's the way we do business. At the very heart of what the way we do business, it's about how do we reduce road fatalities. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it, but we've got a short-term insurance product where your vehicle is installed with a telematics device that tracks your acceleration, your braking, and your cornering. The aim is to improve your driver behavior, mm -hmm. and you get incentivized for that. So five years ago, we thought what we saw on television that night was unbelievable. When the taxi driver went over a level crossing with a bus load full of children, and they mm -hmm. were all killed. I don't know if you remember that in the Western Cape. And we decided that actually we need to take our product out to schools where children are transported. And we launched in the Western Cape. 19,000 children to date are transported daily in 1,000 vehicles driven by 1,000 school transporters. They don't want to be called taxi drivers. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been one fatality in the five years. There hasn't been one road crash in the five years. And essentially, these vehicles are all 
put through a vehicle inspection test to see whether they're roadworthy. It's very expensive. We're the only funder yet again. They need new tires. We put new tires on. We use our partnerships with Tiger Wheel and Tire, with Specsavers, with Essilor, with C-Track to bring the resources and to make it cheaper to give access. So, for example, in our, our first cohort of drivers who were recruited, 75% of them required glasses. Mm-hmm. Now, you imagine parents put their children into those vehicles thinking that their kids are safe when they go off to school, mm-hmm. but actually the driver can't see. So they go through screening tests, the vehicles are put through vehicle inspection. If they need glasses, we facilitate facilitate a cheaper frame and lenses, and we do screenings for diabetes and for hypertension Mm -hmm. and so on. It talks to what we do as a business, and our products are easily accessible to broader society. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we are addressing big challenges in society, and that's one of its being road fatalities. So it's very clear that many programs around the country need help. So how can corporates help projects become more sustainable? I think that... We need to ensure that what we fund, they're generally social issues, right? What we fund has very clear objectives. So we must hold NGOs who apply to us for funding accountable. Mm -hmm. They must be clear about what they're wanting to achieve. They're wanting to reduce infant mortality or maternal death. Then be clear about that so that the funding is directed at a particular, and there, there's clear monitoring and evaluation right. of how we're reaching the outcomes, how we're delivering on what we set out to deliver on. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we're not serious about that, then we shouldn't be putting money into anything. Right. Because we want to ultimately resolve and root out the kind of ills mm-hmm. which still exist in our society. So the program has to be clear in terms of the objectives that it needs to achieve. But what about yourselves then as funders about the core value propositions that you bring to this partnership? I think if as a funder we're not clear about what we are wanting, what our role is in society, mm-hmm. that actually we just, what we are is an extension of broader society. We fit squarely within that. If we don't see ourselves as that, then we're never going to be successful as a business. And therefore, we need to have a good understanding of where we are located within the broader framework of the issues and where we see ourselves slotting in to contribute towards the resolution of those issues. Mm -hmm. We can't be all over. I mean, it's the most difficult thing. I get requests every day for really, really worthy projects. And I have to be responsible in terms of these are the criteria. These are the focus areas. These are the criteria by which we fund. And if I don't do that, we're going to be all over the show and we actually won't be making any contribution to society. How clear is discovery then? We are very clear. You know, as I said earlier, you know, our focus areas are well-defined, We meet quarterly as a trustees. We've got two platforms from which we fund. We've got the focus areas on maternal and child health. It's human resources for health and it's community health. And we are clear that that's what we focus on. Shared value is the philosophy overall Mm -hmm. as a business, that we provide value not only for our shareholders, but also for broader society. So there's the members, there's shareholders, and there's society. We kind of see those three key constituencies as the ones who benefit from our business and where we kind of plug in. There are two other key kind of principles, as it were, that underpin shared value, and that is that it must, that it must be at scale mm-hmm. and must be um, replicable. 
So, you know, we feel that all of what we do in terms of our products, in terms of our CSI and so on, talks to that philosophy of being a force for social good and providing value to everyone whom we touch. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to hear more inspiring content about individuals who've challenged the odds and done what others thought would be impossible, then make sure you listen to our Discover Healthier podcast on the Umtombo Youth Development Foundation. You'll be astounded at how this project has turned rural school children who were destined for working in the mines or for herding cattle into doctors, physiotherapists, dietitians, dentists, optometrists, and other healthcare professionals. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discover Healthier, brought to you by Discovery Health. Join the conversation on social media with the hashtag Discover Healthier and tag at Discovery underscore SA. You can subscribe to our podcast channel, Discovery South Africa, on your favorite podcast app or visit discovery.co.za to listen to our shows.